Welcome to the Gateway Church Podcast. We're so glad you're here. We pray God speaks to you through this message and through His Word today. For more information about our church, please visit us at gatewaylife.com. Now let's tune in to this week's message. If you were here last week, um, you know that we are in a new series called Resilient. And um, the really the, the Preston kind of kicked it off last week with a message titled The Journey is coming, and I want to just let you know, if you haven't had a chance to listen to that message, I want you to make that priority number one after leaving today, all right? It's raining, it'll be perfect. You just turn it on, throw some coffee or tea in, and and you'll just have a great time. Uh, But I want to encourage you to really make that a priority either today or sometime this week to go back and listen to that message. Uh, It was an incredible message, and it really frames where we're going as a church over the next 90 days, and uh, is really going to be a great time for us all to come together and community and grow together. Um, but we're, the, the whole point of this series is not to bounce back from what we've experienced, um, but it really is for us to grow in every area of our life more than we ever have, for us to be healthier than we ever have been before, because we believe that a journey is coming and we're getting ready for it. And this week, we're going to be jumping into the spiritual pillar, and you should have received a resilient life action plan on your way in and a uh, spiritual pillar assessment on your way in. If you did not receive one of those, just go ahead and raise your hand. Uh, we have uh, some, of our, some of our team and, and, and our friends are walking around and they'll, they'll make sure that you get one. So if you have one, just raise a high, no worries. This first little portion is like class, okay? So don't even worry about it, just raise your hand and they'll, they'll come by and get it. There's a couple of people up here in the front also that, that need a couple. Um, but go ahead and, and pull that out. As, as you're doing that and as they're uh, handing some to some, some of the people that didn't get them on, when they came in, um, if you have a phone, I want to encourage you to take out your phone even. There's going to be a QR code that's going to come up here on the screen. And uh, we're actually going to take this spiritual assessment together before we begin. Okay, we're going to do it right here, right now. And I want to encourage you, you can do it on paper. Um, but I would love to encourage you to do it online if you can. Now, we don't, we don't like, this is a completely anonymous assessment. Um, we, there's no email address or anything like that that comes through. Um, but this is great information for us to be able to gauge where we're at as a community, where we're at as a church. And, you know, Jesus, Jesus asked a lot of questions throughout all of Scripture. One of the, one of the more polarizing questions I believe he asked is, um, where are you? And now... Uh, we, we know if you spend any amount of time in church that, that he didn't ask that question because he doesn't know. He asked that question because we don't know, nine times out of 10, where we're at. And so what these assessments are designed to do is really to show you where you're at. And uh, on your resilient life action plan on this first column, it says, where am I today? And so as we go through this assessment, this is really the facts. This is the facts of where am I at? And so you can go and you can fill those, fill those in, all right? So if you have a phone, if you've got the assessment, go ahead and pull it out, and we're going to go through this assessment together, okay? I'm going to read the questions, and then we'll, we'll walk through it together. Are you ready? All right. Question number, question number one. I have a compelling sense of God's love for me. Okay, question number two. I regularly read and study my Bible. Question number three. I have a consistent rhythm of being in God's house with others. 
Number four, peace and contentment and joy characterize my life rather than worry and anxiety. All right, you liking how you're scoring so far? Maybe, maybe not. All right, question number five. My relationship with Christ is motivated more by love than duty or fear. When the Bible exposes an area of my life needing change, I respond to make things right. Number seven, my actions demonstrate a desire to build God's kingdom rather than my own. I expect God to use me every day in his kingdom work. Number nine, I spend as much time, if not more, listening to God as talking to him. Number 10, I consistently use my God-given gifts, or God-given talent, excuse me, to serve others with a heart of compassion. My actions demonstrate a belief in and a commitment to the Great Commission from Matthew chapter 28, verse 19 through 20. Number 12, I spend regularly, regular daily slash weekly time with God that sustains and strengthens me. And number 13, I can define and articulate my spiritual beliefs clearly. All right. Now, having done that, um, down at the bottom, you'll see step two. It gives you the instructions uh, to, to, to go through, and you can actually kind of tally up your score based on where you're at. Um, and you can kind of see. You can kind of get a gauge of, of exactly where I'm at. Then as you flip it over to the back, Okay, it gives you an assessment scale, and it'll, it'll kind of show you on a scale of kind of what that, that point value represents. Now, you, you'll also see some clarifiers in there. This is not to, to make you feel bad. This doesn't mean you're bad if you score a little lower. Again, it just shows you where you're at right now so that as we walk through this series and the message today, and, and as we continue to go even into next week and beyond, that you might know where you're at so you can ask the question, God, where do you desire that, that you and I be? Where, where do you desire for, for us to be? Where do you desire for me to be in, my, in this area of my life 90 days from now, 12 months from now, all right? So you can go ahead and calculate your score in there. And uh, if you did it on paper, I wanna encourage you, go back and through, throughout this week, go back, do it online so that we could see it. Again, we don't, we don't see your name or anything like that. It just gives us a gauge of where we're at as a church, okay, as we jump in. Uh, to this series and as we believe that a journey is coming. All right? Awesome. Okay, so here's what I want you to do. Go ahead and open your Bibles. Open your Bibles to 1 John chapter 4. 1 John chapter 4. We're going we're gonna to jump into the message. I uh, want to welcome Tempe and all of those joining us online as well. Hopefully you guys enjoyed that assessment. Uh, we're going to jump right into the message now. 1 John chapter 4 and verse 7. We're going to read a handful of verses here in 1 John chapter 4, so just, just bear with me, stick with me, all right? It says this, Let us love one another, 
For love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. For one has never seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. This is how we know that we live in him and he in us. He has given us of his spirit and we have seen and testified that the father has sent his son to be the savior of the world. If anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the son of God, God lives in them and they, and they in God. And so we know and rely on the love that God has for us. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. This is how love is made complete among us so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment. In this world, we are like Jesus. There is no fear in love. But perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. We love because he first loved us. I want to talk for the next few moments uh, from this title. Okay, the title of my message today is, What's Love Got to Do With It? Okay, as we jump into this spiritual pillar, week one, what's love got to do with it? All right, let's pray together and then we'll jump in. God, I thank you so much for your presence. Thank you for your word. We ask that you speak to us, Holy Spirit, that we would leave a little bit more like you than we came in. God, that we would love a little bit more like you, that we would respond a little bit more like you to those around us in this world. God, we're thankful for your presence. In Jesus' name, everybody set? Amen. Amen. Okay, question for you. Um, am I the only one who maybe slightly oftentimes has a propensity to make things more complicated than they need to be? Is that just me? Or are there a couple? Okay, there's, there's hands, but nobody wants to just flat out say yes, right? Like, we don't want to say that. Um, I, I have a tendency to make things more complicated than they need to be. I, in, I know it. I'm working on it. I tend to be the more dramatic one in, in my relationship with my wife. Uh, it's just, it's who I am. Uh, so much so that, you know, to be honest, this really started when I was a kid, okay? It started when I was a kid. I wish I could blame it on my parents or more, but it, it was me, okay? Um, you, you had chores when you were growing up. We had chores when we were growing up. We didn't get paid for our chores, okay? So I think that's part of the problem, first and foremost. Um, and no kids are in here, so we could say that, right? Like, but that was part of my problem. Um, but my, my responsibility was vacuuming. Okay, my responsibility is vacuuming. And if you're a parent, you, you may know where I'm going with this, but I found a way to make vacuuming take all day, right? Some of you parents know that like your child has mastered the ability to make cleaning their room like the most difficult thing on the planet, right? Like there is nothing more difficult than your child cleaning their room, right? You should not need a manual for this. It's just, if it's on the floor, it doesn't go there, right? Like fix it, right? But I would make vacuuming take literally all day to the point that I was throwing stuff out of closets because I'm like, no, I got to get in there too. If I'm going to do this, right? It's like, grew up in church. It's like, I'm, I'm stewarding, okay? Like this is, I got to get it out of the closet. I got to do the whole thing. If I'm going to do the job, I do it right. Um, because really the, the reason was I did not want to do any of the other chores that were on the list. 
right? And as the oldest, I'm like, hey, if I just make this take all day, then everybody else will have to do all the other stuff, and then we could just be good. What I didn't realize is they would end up finishing a lot sooner than me because I ended up making more of a mess than I was actually responsible for, okay? I, I made vacuuming take forever, okay? It started very young as I was a kid. It, it did not end there, though. It, it, it trickled into, into my marriage as well. Um, you ever been to Costco? Okay. Yeah, Costco is literally set up to ruin this, okay? Like, my wife sends me to go get a rotisserie chicken. Do I come back with a rotisserie chicken? Six out of ten times. But I also come back with a lawn, uh, a lawn chair, a garden hose, and some of those OXO containers, okay? You know what I mean? Like, that just looks like a fantastic thing. We want to be organized, right? I, I very rarely come back, and so I come back. Did you get the rotisserie chicken? Well... I'll be right back, you know, like, and that's what we do. I make it more complicated than it needs, than it needs to be. Now, I, I know I'm not alone in this, though, because, because, because the Lord gave me my wife. And so this is something we struggle with together. Uh, we're, we're helping each other. Um, but one of the things that she tends to make more difficult than it needs to be is texting, okay? The, the, a couple of weeks ago, uh, we, were, we were trying to, trying to schedule a date night. And so we're like, hey, text the babysitter. Like, see if she's, see if she's available on, on Tuesday night. Like, that'd be awesome, like, for us to go on a date night. And she goes, okay, yeah, I'll text her. So, so we're driving around. We're, we're kind of going shopping. We're doing the whole deal. And, and, and I say, hey, Audie, like, like, did the babysitter respond? Like, what'd she say? Is she available Tuesday? Do we need to make it another day? And this is like an hour and a half later. And she's like, oh, I haven't, I haven't asked her yet. I'm still trying to think of what to say. <laughs> I'm like, Audie, like, we're friends with her. You know, like, you <laughs> You don't have to worry. Like, we're friends with her. That she's fine. Like, just, are you free? Like, that's kind of, that's as simple as it kind of needs to be. Like, she's not going to be, but she wants to make sure, right, like, punctuation is good. Like, she wants to make sure her heart comes across. You know what I'm talking about? Like, and I'm just like, do you want to make, do you want to make some money on Tuesday night? Like, that would be helpful, you know, like, for me. And I'm like, it's not that, it's not that difficult. But I, I think, I think it doesn't even stop there, though. You know, it's, it's not something that stopped as I was a kid. It, it didn't stop at Costco, unfortunately. It, it doesn't stop at texting. It, it oftentimes has a way of creeping into our relationship with others and with God, doesn't it? It, it has a way of, 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 of creeping in, of seeping in. And, and what was supposed to be fairly simple has, has now become complex. Let, let me explain. Did you know that there is no... In, in the Hebrew Bible, there is no Hebrew word for spiritual. Now, now there is for spirit, but follow me here. There's no, there's no Hebrew word for, for, for spiritual. And, but if I were to pull all of us here today and say, what does it mean to be spiritual? What does it mean to be close to God? What does it look like to be a mature Christian? There would probably be 300 different answers. There would, there would maybe be, maybe not 300, maybe at least 150 different answers of what it means to be spiritual. You might answer that question by saying, it, it, you know, if you, you're, you're a mature Christian if you pray for two hours every day and you read 50 scriptures a week. You might classify spiritual as, as up here. Right, like, like it, it's those up there, like they're the spiritual ones and I'm just like, you know, I'm trying to be the best that I can in, in context of that. You might classify being spiritual or, or being close with the Lord as, as everything like working out in your life. Like if things go well, that must mean I'm close with him. And if they don't go well, then that means I'm not close with him. 
you, you, you may classify it as, as, as raising your hands like this as opposed to this or, or wide out or, 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 or whatever the case might be. But we, we all have a tendency to, to maybe classify it differently and, and you can see how it gets, how it gets complicated. And, and I just wonder, like, have we really boiled this down to that? Have we really made this experience that we have, have we really made this encounter with God, this relationship that we ought to have, have we really turned it into simply a means to an end? That, oh, if I, if, if I do X, Y, Z, it's going to produce this in my life. That, that if, I, if I can just be at church 52 times a year, then maybe this will go better in my life. If I can just say these things, if I can read this much, then it will produce spirituality in my life. Have we really made this a means to an end? I don't know about you, but, but there's been some pressure that I've faced over the last handful of years. I don't mean in any way to insult your intelligence, but I think we would all agree that these past couple years have, have maybe been a little unstable, uncertain, and a little chaotic. Would you agree? Like it has not necessarily been what we thought. And, and many of you here and, and, and many of you watching, like the, the global stuff that we've experienced as as humanity, not even just as a, as a, as a church, but as, as humanity, uh, it is hard enough, is it not? Like, like what we've experienced over the last two years of, of, of isolation, am I allowed to do this? Am I not allowed to do this? Should I do this? Should I not? Are they going to be offended if I do this? If they, are they going to be offended if I don't? Like, like what we've experienced globally is enough. Like it's been hard enough, but then you add in all the stuff that you've experienced personally over the last two years. And I'm just telling you, like I don't have room for anything to be more complicated than it needs to be. Many of you here today, like, Again, the, the global stuff was just was not enough. You, you experienced some family trauma in the last two years. Oh, oh the, the stuff we experienced as a, as a country was just cherry on top of what you had to walk through these last two years. I know for me, COVID kicked off with my wife spending 11 days in the hospital for something that was completely unrelated to COVID. That kind of kicked this whole thing off for us. I've had family who have been in the hospital for various sicknesses multiple times. We, we've, had, we've had family, I've had brothers and sisters go through traumatic moments in their relationships and in their lives over the last two years. And I'm just telling you, like, we don't have time, I don't have time nor the capacity to make this any more difficult than it needs to be or that it, that it was. In fact, if anything was going to be simple, shouldn't it be following Jesus? Now, I didn't say easy. I didn't say comfortable but shouldn't it be simple if, if anything? But, but you see what happens is, is pressure comes in and pressure doesn't really help with this, does it? Pressure doesn't, doesn't necessarily set me up to make things as simple as they should be, right? Like generally when pressure ensues, we kind of kick it into a higher gear, don't we? In, in a lot of ways. I would go as far as to say that pressure reveals patterns. Pressure reveals patterns. Let me explain. Um, when I had a kid, it changed a lot in my life. Changed a lot. Before we had our, our first daughter, Soraya, I had this desire. 
I would maybe call it a pattern, a semi-inconsistent partial relationship with the gym, okay? Um, and how many of you know, when I, when Soraya was born into this world, the beautiful gift that she is, um, I did not necessarily, if it wasn't a pattern in my life, if it wasn't a foundational pattern in my life before I had Soraya, it surely was not a foundational pattern in my life immediately after having Soraya. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Like, like the gym did not carry over into fatherhood for me. Okay, now I'm, I am working at fixing that now. But it did not just automatically transition. And I wonder, in this past couple years, as we've gotten to here, because again, as we, as we kick this off, it's important that we understand, we, we got to know where we're at. I wonder, what patterns have you noticed that pressure has revealed in your life? I think some of us would say that, that maybe there are some patterns we thought we had that these last couple years have showed us that we didn't really have. We just got good at, at, at making the most of them. I think others of us would say that, that maybe there are some patterns we thought we got rid of. And then these last two years set in and, and we realized that they maybe weren't as gone as we, thought, as we thought they were. Let's talk about patterns for a second. Romans 12 says that don't conform any longer to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. What are, what are the patterns of this world that we see? Maybe achievement. You, you, might, you might go as far as to say manipulation. Pattern that I see in this world is you manipulate so that you get what you want. Promotion, advancement. Let, let's just kind of maybe boil it down. You do so that you can be. Patterns that we see in this world are if you do good enough, you might get that promotion you wanted. If you check off enough boxes with your boss, you might get that raise you were hoping for. Even in relationships, the patterns we see in this world is if you, if you do enough, then, then maybe someone will love you back. But let's, let's, let's maybe parallel that with the patterns that we see in, in following Jesus, right? What are the patterns of... Of, of, of being a creator? What are the patterns of following Jesus? What are the patterns of, of our faith? We, well, let, let, let's start with this. Jesus, first and foremost, says, I am the way, the truth, I am the life. Okay, John 3, 16 says, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, gave, that whosoever would believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. Goes on to say, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that through him you and I might be saved. So we see that the pattern of following Jesus, the pattern of the way of life, again, we're talking about mindset and motivation here, is you receive and then you respond. You receive and then you respond. As we talk about the spiritual pillar, let's just define it for a moment. The spiritual pillar is this, receiving and responding to the love of God. That's it. That's what it is. Receiving and responding to the love of God. Sometimes pressure makes us complicate things, doesn't it? We see in Romans 1 with the people of, with the people of God that, that, that the Apostle Paul is writing, and he says, they traded the truth for the lie. The lie obviously being Genesis 
Adam and Eve and, and, and what was the lie that, that they believed? That if you do this, you might be like God. That if you eat of this fruit, that, that you're just, you'll be like him. That's why God doesn't want you to eat of this. That's why. So the lie they believed from the beginning was if you do, you will become. You will become. The pressure makes this difficult. Let, let, me, let me show you, for those of you that, that aren't convinced right now, and I know some of you, maybe you're never saying, okay, Isaac, cool, got it. Like, we complicate things. Where are we going with this? What's the point? Where, where are we going with this? And to that, I would say that is the point. It's because so often in life, we're just like, okay, cool, got it. Let's get to the next thing. Let's go. Let, okay, cool, got it. Story's awesome. I complicate things. Okay, great. Where are we going? Okay, that's the point. Look at John, look at John chapter 6. The disciples come to Jesus and they say, they're, they're, they're talking with Jesus and they say, then they ask him, what must we do to do the works of God? And look at Jesus' answer. The work of God is this. Believe in the one who sent me. Believe. Yeah, but, yeah, but, um, okay, Jesus, let me ask this again. Like, what do we got to do? Believe. Believe in the one who sent me. Yeah, but Jesus, you don't know my personality. Like, I, I work better, like, if I've got lists. And Jesus is saying, I know. Believe. Believe in me. And, and here's my fear. My fear is that so many of us, myself included, okay, and we all have a propensity to do this at times. My, my fear is that we've taken something the salvation, of, the salvation that comes through Jesus and with something that was supposed to be received and responded to, that is what this is. That is what following Jesus looks like. Receive his love, then respond to it. And we have turned it into hoping that if I do enough, I might be able to provoke God to love me, receive me, and respond back to me in favor. Let me say it again. I believe a fear of mine is that often we may turn what should be received and responded to into an effort of provoking God to maybe, if I do enough, receive me and respond to me in love. But it's completely backwards of what we see in Scripture. It's backwards of what we see in the gospel. And this is where... The, the, the people of God are at in 1 John chapter 4. Okay, where they're at in 1 John chapter 4, um, the, the writer is writing to them and they are, they are confused. They, they're saying, look, what do we got to do? Like, what's going on here? Context, just for a second, the, the, the writer is writing to these little house churches in 1 John chapter 4 who are confused. They're confused. They're unsure. They don't know what's going on. They don't know what to believe. They don't know who to believe. They don't know who to trust. They don't know what's true. They're posting this. They're saying that. They've got a group that they're talking about this. And the writer writes to 1 John chapter 4 in an effort to clarify and bring them back to center of mindset and motivation of what all of this is really about. And he goes and he says, hey, um, God is love. In fact, you'll, you'll know who is of God by the way that they love. You'll know who actually knows God and who God knows by the way that they love one another. Now, it's important that we understand that the word know, okay, know God, used in 1 John chapter 4, is not an intellectual know. 
It is an experiential no. In other words, you've got to experience this love of God in order to understand it. This is not something you can study into your mind. This is not an intellectual feat that if I read enough, if I, if I study it enough, if I talk to other people enough, that maybe it will transform my life. I'm just here to tell you it's not going to do it. This is not something you can study into your heart. This is only something that you can experience. This is something that you, that's why it's important of getting around community and being in a life group and serving with one another and being here on the weekend and, and doing life together with people so that we might experience the love of God in such a way that it transforms the way that I live, move and, move and breathe. This is not something that we can just study into our mind, but we love lists. God, tell us what to do. And what we really want is a cheat code. What we really want is a formula, right? That's why we come in here and some of us come in here when we're worshiping and I'm not trying to call anybody out. I'm just saying, this is what we do. This is what I've done. And we're like, are they, they're doing, okay, we're doing this, I guess we're doing this. I guess we're doing this. Oh, but, but I, I've seen the way that God's moved in their life and, and their arms up. So maybe I should, God's, I don't, I don't really feel like I'm experiencing the love of, I don't really feel like I'm like working in. And so I'm going to, okay, they're doing this. I'm going to do this. Right, and so much so that, that we even, we hear Preston talk about the way that he hears from God and the way that he does, and we look and we say, here's the deal, that can, that can do one of two things. It can inspire you to dig deeper into your relationship with God or it can intimidate you to think that you can never get there. But here's the reality. If God's given you an example for it, it means you can do it in your own life. What if we started looking at, this is not a, when President like, hey, I, you know, I've heard the Lord. Okay, great. So like, how did you do that? Did you spend 18 hours? Okay, I'm going to spend 18 hours. No, no, no. He's responding to the love that he has received. He has so received it and come to know the love of God that he is responding to it. And you and I can do the same thing. In fact, that's what this is all about. But we complicate things, don't we? I want to give you three reasons why I believe we tend to make things more complicated than they really are. Three reasons we tend to make things more difficult than they need to be. Number one, because I feel better about myself or my situation when I do more. Again, this week one is really trying to peel back the layers and get to the foundation of what this is all about so that as I put principles and practices and methods on top of it, they are built on solid ground that can withstand the pressure. Yeah, I feel better. How, how many of you, you feel better when you do good stuff? Like you do. Like, like, like when you help, you feel better about yourself, don't you? Give yourself some credit. Like you did awesome. But how many of you know feeling good only feels good for a moment and then it's not good enough and I've got to do more in order to feel good again. And this just becomes a cycle of doing so I feel good and then I don't feel good so I do more and, 
And I, I don't feel like my relationship is as far with the Lord as theirs is. So you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to slip back into my patterns, my old ways of, of performance and achievement. And you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to start reading more. I must, that must mean i got to worship more. That must mean I need to be in more life groups. That must mean I need to serve in every area of the church because two is not enough. And so i got to do this. And we just start adding all of these things in in an effort to make me feel better. Take the people of God in Romans 1 that, that the Apostle Paul is talking about. What are they doing? The Bible says that they traded the truth that they had known about God for the lie. And then it goes on to say that they, then they, built, uh, then they, then they uh, built idols and all these things. And they began to worship creation rather than the creator. And this is what we do. We, we don't feel good about where we're at in life sometimes. We, we don't feel like we're, we're really like, oh, we're really getting there. And, and so what do we do? We, we start producing. Okay, I'm going to add this in, and I'm, okay, I'm going to do this. And then, or we don't like the trajectory of our life, or we don't feel like we've seen the results of following God as quickly as we wanted them to. And so, you know, what we do is say, okay, you know what? Maybe this isn't working. Maybe I got to take matters into my own hands. Maybe I got to start producing over here, and I got to produce over here, and I got I to do this. And they need to produce too, because they're a part of our family. And so we got to, and we just start doing because it makes us feel good. But one of the things you got to understand is I don't have inability to brag about my love for God because I consistently fail him. But I do have the ability and I will constantly brag about his love for me because he never has. Ooh, I'm just telling you. Like, this, again, I don't have the time to make this more complicated than it needs to be because I fail all the time. That's why his love has got to be the foundation of everything that is my life so that I, I can respond to pressure and not be taken out. Second thing is this. Second thing is this. Because bus busyness is a great place for me to hide. Busyness is a fantastic place for me to hide. Look at, look at 1 John chapter 4, verse 18. The Bible says this in 1 John chapter 4, and verse, uh, verse, verse 18. It says, there is no fear in love, but, but perfect Love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. We love because he first loved us. And what we do is we hide because we don't understand that God first loved us to begin with. That this book is actually not about me, my pursuit of God, and me loving him enough. It's actually about his pursuit of me. And when I understand that, I don't flip into trying to hide. Oh, because God, you loved me to begin with. You loved me when I was a mess. You loved me when I was even worse than that. You loved me when that, when that addiction was even greater than it is now. God, you were there then? Pfft, why would I hide this now? Why would I try to cover this up by production now? No, but sometimes busyness is a, is a great place to hide. What does this look like in our life? It, 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 it looks like this. I'm struggling with something. I'm struggling with an addiction. I'm struggling with a, with, with a, with a mindset. I'm struggling with, a, with, with anger, with whatever it is. And so you know what we say? Oh, if I just, I wouldn't have, you know what? I wouldn't have responded to them like that if I was reading the Bible. If I would have just been, if I was halfway through, you know, the book of Psalms, I wouldn't have responded that way. I, w I wouldn't have looked at that if my face was in the Bible, right? We've said that before. We said that in church before. 
I, I, wouldn't have, I wouldn't have tweeted that or texted that if, you know, it was, if I was on my face praying, I can't see my phone, so I wouldn't have. And we do this, don't we? And so we just keep adding things in our life, great things. Again, hear me, I'm not trying to say that reading your Bible is bad. In fact, you should read your Bible more. You should pray more. You should serve. You should do all of those things, but not for any of the reasons that you just thought of in your head. The only, the reason is because he so loved you that your whole life is now a response to that. Your whole life is just like, it's daisies and roses now, no matter what I face. It's like, my goodness, God, what are we doing today? Oh, God, you love me so much. Like, okay, here we go. Where are we going? I, I want to do it. I want to be a part of it. It's just awesome. But we just add things in order to hide how we're truly feeling about ourselves, or how we feel about our life or how we feel about fill in the blank for you. But that's never how this was actually designed to be. And number three, because I'm unsure of my standing, because I'm unsure of my position, I, I, I slip back into old patterns of achievement and, and, and performance because I'm, because I'm unsure of my standing, because I haven't fully understood that where I stand, where I'm positioned because of Jesus. And, and hear me, confusion only comes when we abandon God's path and lose sight of the fact that, that, that he is love and he first loved us. That's where confusion comes. Confusion actually sets in when you take over the wheel and try to perform in your own life. As it relates to where you're at with God, like confusion only comes when you actually think that you can possibly get to him by doing X, Y, Z. That's when we get confused. That, that's actually w when I start condemning myself. I say, you stink, you had been, because you didn't. And we start measuring our closeness with God. You've done this, don't Because I'm doing it, because I've done this before, okay? So just help me. We've done this. We, we, we measure how close we are with God by how many consecutive days on the YouVersion app we've gone. Have we not? Oh, I, I was, when we say this, I, I was in church 12 straight weeks in the summer. And you're like, yes, I am crushing it. And you're like, but really? Is that, is that what this has become? Is, is, that, is that really what this is about? No. I, again, I don't have time to complicate things more than, more than they, they really are. Hear me, your position is not based on your practices, customs, or, con or, or consistency, but rather the acceptance of his love and your continual awareness of his presence and desired friendship with you. I know that was long, but it's not based on your your practices, it's not based on your consistency. Those things are awesome. Those things are great. But if that's the foundation of your house, I mean, we've seen it. Like, it's not working. Why? Because it's receiving and then responding. Receiving and then responding. The practice is powerful because of the performance of the person. Just needs to be clear that the person is not us. It's his performance that's actually given you the, the, the position to then respond from. I wanna walk you through a handful of scriptures here if you're struggling with understanding where you're at in your relationship with the Lord. But I think they can be calibrating for all of us. 
I think they can be calibrating and reminding for all of us because all of us have a tendency to kind of slip into this. And it's just important sometimes before we get into this because we're like resilient series. Some of us came in here, we're like, resilient series, we're going to grow. Yes, this is all. Awesome. So some of you wore like athletic pants today because you were like so ready. You're like, I just want to be fully in, you know. Like, we're going to do this. But we've got we've to remember where it, where it begins. Let's walk through a handful of scriptures. Romans chapter 3 and verse 10. The Bible says that there is no one righteous, not even one. None of us are righteous. Goes on to say, for all have sinned in Romans 3.23 and fallen short of the glory of God. Romans 6.23 says, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. For God demonstrated his own love for us in this while we were still sinners. Not while you were practicing. Not while you were trying to do better. Not while you were trying to make your life more. While you, were still, while you and I were still sinners, Christ died for us. Romans 10 goes on to say, if you declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified. And it is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. I, I lost in there where it said that you do X, Y, Z. I, I might have missed where it said you've got, to, you've got to do this and do that in order to, no, 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 believe in your heart and confess with your mouth and you will be, say Romans 5 verse 1 says, since now, for therefore since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God. Woo, is that, is that where your peace has come from? Or right now, do you feel like your peace is coming from your performance? No, 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 Romans 5 says, therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, there is no condemnation, Romans 8, in Christ, for those who are in Christ Jesus. For I am convinced, Paul says, that neither death nor life nor angels nor demons, neither present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth nor anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Hear me, if death cannot separate you, then neither can your performance. And if your performance can't save you, why do we keep doing it? Why do we keep resorting back thinking that it's somehow gonna make me feel better, that it's gonna get me there, that it's gonna cover things up, that it's somehow gonna, gonna position me in, in a place of confidence with the Lord? It doesn't. Hear me, what has love got to do with this? It's everything. It is everything. It is the foundation of everything, not your love for him, but his love for you. Hear me, his death was not an accident. It was an appointment. So how dare we continue to live as if it was some accident that I have to make up for? That you know what, I've got to do this and that in order to make that worth it. I've got to do this and I've got to make this happen. And I've... No, it was an appointment, friends. It was not an accident. Look at, look at, what, this, look at what this commentator said. He said, we're not saved by loving Christ. We are saved by believing on Christ. But after we realize what he, do, what he did for us on the cross, our normal response ought to be to love him and love one another. My question is, is that, is that how we're doing this right now? Is that how we're living 
is right now what you're currently doing a response to the love you've received or is what you're doing kind of become an effort of provoking God because you think that maybe if I do enough that he'll receive me and love me. Love is everything, friends. It is everything that this life of following Jesus is built on. It is not built on your practices, your morals, your consistency. It's not built on any of that. It's built on the fact that even when you had none of that, Jesus still loved you. Even when you had none of that, he still died for you. Even when you didn't do anything right, he still wanted to be, hear me, close with you. And so God so loved you that he sent his son Jesus to die so that through him we might have everlasting life. What patterns have you noticed pressures produced or revealed in your life? Have you gone back, turned this into a means to an end? I know that sounds harsh, and, and I'm not trying in any way to say that you do. I'm just saying we, we all have a tendency to slip back into it. I mean, it started at birth with, with my wife. Hear me. My wife with her texting, like, one of the things that, like, I joke with her about, and I'm trying to tell you, is like, Audie, like, they, they like you. Like, they, our babysitter loves us. Like we don't have to, if you say something wrong, like, she, says, she knows your heart. She knows who you are. She loves you. Just send her the text. And I wonder today how many of us fully haven't received the love of God. How many of us fully haven't embraced the fact that God loves you so much that you're still thinking that if you do enough, he might like you more. If I, oh, if I, oh, gee, I messed up again. And hear me, I'm not standing on this platform because I'm more spiritual than you. I'm not standing on this platform because I've memorized more scriptures than you. I'm not standing on this platform because I worshiped every day this week with song and dance and, no. I'm standing here simply saying that this is my response to the fact that I've received the love of God and it's something I continually am trying to do every single day. God, you love me. My goodness, this is awesome. God, I want to respond to you today. But is that, is that where you're at? He wants to be close with you. This really isn't that complicated. It's pretty simple. So loved you that he gave. I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes. He's really that awesome. And I'm just telling you, some of us have been in church for a long time. We've been in church. We've done this. We've heard this. We did. But I would just ask in this moment as we respond to the Lord in worship and as we ask the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, is there anything I've added? Is there anything that I maybe have turned my relationship into with you? Has this become performance? Has this become, God, has my position with you? Have I felt more more confident about my position with you when I read more or do more or say more? Holy Spirit, is there anything in me that I'm trying to hide by trying to do these things? God, I don't want my confidence in, in you and my position to come from what I do. No, 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 no. I want what I do to be a response to the fact that I have received your love in the depths of my soul. 
Let's not turn this into a means to provoke God to respond to me, because hear me, he's already done it all. And now our job is simply to receive it and then live every day in response to it. So the head bowed and your eyes closed. As we go into this time of worship, I would just ask that you ask the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, what is it? What are you saying to me through this message? Is there anything in me that hiding by doing have I resorted back to old patterns are you inviting me actually into the beauty and the peace that comes from from simply receiving your love and responding to it where are you as you looked at your assessment how did you feel doing that assessment how close do you feel to the Lord right now what dictates how close you actually feel we'll just ask in this moment that you ask the Lord and then ask him, what ought to be my response? Show me your love, Lord. Show me your love on display in my life in these areas. God, I thank you for your presence. God, I thank you for your word. I thank you for what you're speaking to us. God, I thank you that you've done everything. You've done literally everything. God, I pray that our response to you would in no way, shape, or form be an effort to provoke you. But God, that we would be so provoked by your amazing love for us that every day is a response. God, if there's anything in me that is backwards, I pray you reveal it, Holy Spirit. Because I want, as I go on this journey, I want a foundation that is strong. I want a foundation that can withstand the winds. God, I want to be all in through this entire journey. I don't want to get, I don't want to get knocked off halfway through. God, I want a foundation that is pure, that is strong secure in you. Holy Spirit, speak to me. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for joining us today. For more information about Gateway Church, please visit us at gatewaylife.com. Have a great week.